Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer, and welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Friday, November 10th. Happy Veterans Day. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, it's every lawmaker for themselves in the House. Number two, the Senate loses another dealmaker. And number three, who Republicans are recruiting in Wisconsin. All right, let's get into it. Happy Friday. I hope you are having a good one. We are looking at how Speaker Mike Johnson's tenure, just over two weeks old, has brought a fascinating dynamic to the four for House Republicans. It's now every member for themselves. Gone are the days when House Republicans took difficult votes for the greater good of the party or the strength uh, of the Speaker. In a showdown with the Senate, the House is now akin to a battle royale, with every lawmaker acting purely out of self-interest. It's true that there was never much Republican loyalty in this Congress to begin with. Just ask Speaker Kevin McCarthy. But after 10 months of brutal GOP infighting, that has culminated in not only McCarthy's ouster and in the eventual election of Johnson, a 51-year-old with very limited leadership experience, emotions are pretty raw and members are looking toward the 2024 election with former President Donald Trump likely at the top of the ticket and they are making the choice to vote however they want. Consider this, the House Republican leadership had to pull two critical bills this week. Neither would have become law, yet both illustrated the divides in the House Republican conference and members' complete unwillingness to bridge them. Both moderate New York Republicans and hardline conservatives were unmoved by the leadership's outreach on the transportation HUD spending bill. New York Republicans, well, they were peeved that the bill cut too much from Amtrak and public transit. Well, the hardliners, they thought it didn't cut enough. On Thursday, the GOP leadership abruptly pulled the financial services general government spending bill when both conservatives and moderates revolted. Conservatives didn't like that the legislation didn't explicitly ban funding for a new FBI headquarters. While moderates opposed the repeal of a provision that prohibited D.C. companies from discriminating against employees who get an abortion. Johnson and party leaders lobbied their members for two days to back that financial services spending bill, only to come up short. In fact, the leadership was bested by Representative Matt Gates, the Republican from Florida, who was actively whipping against that bill. This is another example where you see not only conservatives, but moderates as well, flexing their power. And this dynamic is about to become much more important. The federal government will shut down in a week, and Johnson has yet to unveil how he plans to fund agencies beyond November 17th. Other GOP leaders have been kept in the dark. Rank-and-file Republicans have been frustrated with the lack of information, and we're told an announcement is imminent. One pathway, that so-called laddered CR, which would extend government funding in two tranches over the next few months. Senators in both parties... House Democrats and the White House think this is a bad idea. But several sources have indicated this is where Johnson is leading. Another option for Johnson is to move a continuing resolution that extends into January and attach Israel aid and the creation of a fiscal committee. Yet Johnson has boxed himself in there too. Since he initially insisted on conditioning aid to Israel on cutting IRS funding, conservatives are now demanding that again. And it seems likely that Johnson will first try to move a CR package favored by the House Freedom Caucus. If it's not 
clear whether that's the laddered approach will even pass the House. The GOP conference may be forced to return to reality and pass a more pared-down mainstream bill. But the HFC has its demands, and they are making them known. Representative Chip Roy, the Republican from Texas, said the Sierra needs to be at or below the spending levels mandated in the Fiscal Responsibility Act. And all spending, extra spending that is, such as Israel, needs to be matched by equal spending cuts. Mike was right about that, Roy told us. Of course, what Roy wasn't wants isn't necessarily going to become law. And therein lies the rub. Hardline conservatives have not been content to recognize that their preferred pathway is usually the minority view in the conference. The question is, can the two sides put their self-interest aside for the better of the conference? We shall see. All right, let's move on to the number two story of the morning, the erosion of the Senate's deal-making middle. Remember these names? Rob Portman, Roy Blunt, Lamar Alexander, Jeff Flake, Bob Corker, Mitt Romney. What do they all have in common? They were the deal-making conservatives who decided not to run for re-election in the era of Donald Trump. And nearly all of them were replaced by Trump loyalists. Why does that matter? Well, we're thinking about it in context of Senator Joe Manchin's decision to forgo re-election in 2024, which is likely to usher in another Trump ally in Republican Governor Jim Justice. Whatever you think about Manchin, his retirement from the Senate will serve as yet another data point in a multi-year trend in the upper chamber, the erosion of the deal-making middle in both parties. There are certainly still influential and capable members who can compromise, but the 2024 cycle has already seen high-profile moderates such as Manchin and Romney bow out. And Senator Kirsten Sinema, the independent from Arizona, who has been central to many of the Senate's big bipartisan deals is trailing her opponents in a three-way race, according to recent polling. Cinema hasn't yet said whether she'll run for re-election. To be sure, plenty of people are happy that Manchin plans to retire, especially Republican leaders who are now one step closer to reclaiming the Senate majority. Manchin has locked arms with fellow Democrats on major issues, including President Joe Biden's signature legislative achievement, the Inflation Reduction Act. But as the Senate's most conservative Democrat, he has been considered the most important swing vote on every single big bill and nomination. That was especially true during the first two years of Biden's presidency. The Senate operated with a 50-50 Democratic majority, but was still able to pass landmark legislation. Manchin's independent streak is what has defined him, and it's why he's been able to win in deep red West Virginia. But progressives has, have heavily criticized Manchin, especially over his refusal to get rid of the Senate's legislative filibuster and his opposition to climate change members. Yet, while the base focuses on what Manchin and Cinema won't support, they overlook the fact that the pair overwhelmingly voted with Biden, especially on the Supreme Court and other judicial nominees. All right, let's move on to the number three story of the morning we're looking at Wisconsin and a 2024 watch. We have some news. Wisconsin Republicans are aggressively recruiting businessman Eric Hovde to challenge Senator Tammy Baldwin, the Democrat from Wisconsin, as the GOP seeks to flip a Senate seat in a key presidential swing state. Senator Steve Daines, the Republican from Montana, who chairs the National Republican Senatorial Committee, told us that Hovde was his top pick against Baldwin. 
and the two have been in conversations. Danes said that, that his business experience would be an asset in the Senate. Wisconsin, of course, is a top pickup opportunity for Senate Republicans. Republicans are working with the most favorable map in years and are hoping to take back the Senate after losing out due to poor candidate quality in 2022. Hovde has publicly said he is seriously considering jumping into the Senate race, but has not yet formally declared. He has, however, engaged in Democratic attacks on Twitter, referring to him as a potential Senate candidate. Along with Hovde, former race car driver and businessman Scott Mayer and former Milwaukee Sheriff David Clark have also been exploring runs. There are also other lower-tier candidates who are also declared and are running. The filing deadline for Wisconsin Senate candidates is June 3rd. Several Republican sources predict Hovde will enter the race early next year and self-fund his campaign. Many Wisconsin Republicans have said he would be the best challenger to Baldwin, who is running for a third term. This would not be his first race. In 2012, he ran uh, in the GOP Senate primary in Wisconsin, but was ultimately defeated by Tommy Thompson. Going to be something to watch for sure, and we will be all over it going forward. With that, Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. If you like The Daily Punch, please share it with your friends. It's the best way for folks to find out about us. And if you liked what I talked about this morning and want to go a little deeper, we have that and more in the morning newsletter, which you can sign up for with just an email address at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.